Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Tuesday edition of Lockdown Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Head to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Lockdown. You're going to get $10 off your first order of deliciousness. They've got 16 types of bars on their website, and believe me, all of them are tasty. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. But at the end of the day, it's taste that matters, and Built Bar gets it. So head over there, builtbar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off. So we got a great show for you guys today. In the second and third segments, we are going to have a special guest from Lockdown Bills. That's Joe Marino. If you guys don't know him, he works over at the Draft Network. This guy knows his stuff, and he knows Bill's football, so we're going to have a conversation with him. He's going to shoot me with some questions about some Rams-focused topics, and in the third segment, we're going to flip the switch and kind of ask a little bit about what's going on with the Buffalo Bills, and is it their division to lose in that AFC East? Again, this week, we are going across the AFC East. We still have the Dolphins to talk to, and we still have the Patriots to talk to. We're going to have some awesome conversations with those two hosts of the Lockdown Programs. As well as next week, we're going to be kicking into another division. I thought it was going to be here in the NFC West, but I looked at our schedule again, and it looks like we have kind of have an update. So I'll update you guys on that, who's coming up next week. As well, on Friday, we're going to be talking to Sosa about some of the Rams stuff that we still have got to get to as we are getting everyone's opinions on how do we do in the draft, where are some of the big holes. So a great week of programming still to come. Appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Subscribe, share with a friend, leave a review. We appreciate all that feedback. And speaking of feedback, you can always reach out to me at LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter, Lockdown Rams, all accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Shoot me an email if you're interested in sponsorship right now. We are doing 50% off on any local sponsor. So even if you're not in the LA market, uh, we have over 140 podcasts on the network, 8 million downloads monthly. Our network is kicking butt. So if you guys want a great deal, hit me up. That's Brad at Lockdown Podcast, podcast with an S. Dot com and I will make sure to get you guys a sweet deal wherever you guys may be at. Woo! That's a lot of good stuff, and it's all out of the way, which means we can now kick in to Tuesday's episode. With uncertain times here in the country and across the world, the NFL still plans to move forward with their NFL schedule as planned. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. Well, maybe I shouldn't say as planned because there is one tweak in the schedule. We're awaiting the NFL to release the full schedule of the 17 games that we'll see in this upcoming season. That's going to be coming later in this week. So we'll finally find out when we'll be playing these games. We know who's on our schedule, but what time and when is still to be released. But one thing we do know is that no international series will go on as planned in 2020. It was announced by the NFL today that they are canceling their international series So that's officially five games that were going to be played internationally. We'll be coming back here to American soil. That was four in London and one in Mexico City. The decision was made by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and came after consultation with the teams, national and local governments, and the NFL PA medical authorities and international stadium partners. 
The NFL released a statement saying, After considerable analysis, we believe the decision to play all of our games domestically this season is the right one for our players, our clubs, and our fans in the U.S., Mexico, and the U.K. We greatly appreciate the support from our government and the stadium partners in Mexico and the United Kingdom who all agree with the decision, and we look forward to returning for those games in both countries in the 2021 season. Now, this doesn't affect the Rams. They no longer are going on their international series after multiple years going to London. The one that was in Mexico then got rescheduled out to California. But we do see an NFC West opponent that is affected by this. The Cardinals were planning on going overseas. Also, the Falcons, Dolphins, and Jaguars will be returning to home for those games. Again, each team will have eight home games in the 2020 season. Jaguars were slated to have not only one, but two games in London. Both those games will now be back into Jacksonville. A lot of planning is happening right now with this COVID-19 situation and how the NFL is going to move forward and staying on their timeline with getting NFL games out into the public when they have them scheduled. Again, the release of the schedule is coming up. They are not pushing games back as of right now. A spokesman for the NFL said that may not be the case down the road, but as right now, they are planning on moving forward as planned on the schedule. And kind of in related news, we saw the Dolphins CEO and president reveal mock-ups for new entrances into Hard Rock Stadium as, as well as guidelines to adhere to social distancing guidelines. They said, quote, we would have times to come in for security at different gates so people would be separated out and in terms of when they would enter the stadium. Almost think of it as a 5K run or a marathon when you show up for your 10 o'clock runtime or your 10-15 runtime. That's what they're going to try to do at the gates, trying to separate people when they will come to the stadium so they can get everybody in without kind of crowding the gates. And then they went on to say, we would exit the stadium much like a church environment where each row exits so people aren't filling all out at the same time in a herd. This mock-up also included color spots on the ground leading up to the entry gates to designate the distance needed between the fans as they are filing into the stadium. Dolphin CEO also said that this mock-up plan would include all fans wearing masks and ordering food from their seats and then going upstairs to pick it up rather than waiting in line for concessions. Hard Rock Stadium can hold approximately 65,000 fans for football games, but the Dolphins said they might go all the way down to about 15,000 fans for next season to adjust to the different setup. Again, no plans have been finalized from the NFL, but the Dolphins wanted to get their plan in place. It should be interesting to see as this news kind of broke today, what are the rest of the NFL going to do in accordance to this in trying to get prepared? Obviously, here in LA, we've got two teams opening up a brand new stadium. Construction is still underway and making progress every single day. But obviously, uh, they've seen some issues with this COVID thing and how they can uh, have construction go fluidly. They said they are still going to open up as planned uh, on schedule. We've already seen the Taylor Swift concert, which was going to be the opening event for that new SoFi Stadium, was canceled. It is a strange world we're living in, but definitely something that has to be talked about as we get closer to September, as we start to see football programs trying to get back. Once all the virtual OTAs are done, there is obviously supposed to be a training camp of some sort, so uh, we'll see what happens with the Rams and the rest of the teams around the league, but uh, going to be interesting moving forward how the NFL gets to bringing live football back to America and who's going to be there to watch it. So quick NFL update to kind of get you going here on the Tuesday edition. Coming up next, we're going to have our guest from Lockdown Bills, Joe Moreno, as we kind of dive in 
uh, to some of his questions about the Rams as well as we'll take a look at what the Bills have coming up in 2020. Again, we talked about that schedule. We still don't know when we're going to play, but we're also going to talk about when do you want to see each other in this season? Is it early? Is it later? All that coming up with Joe Moreno on the other side. Before we get over to the other side, got to talk to you about this Built Bar again because I had one again this morning and they are delicious. I had the mint chocolate chip cream and really that's my biggest problem this morning was trying to figure out what flavor I wanted to go with to start my day. Now I can sit here and talk to you about all the amazing combinations of low calorie, high protein and low sugar, no additives, but really what I think I need to get across to you guys is the taste. It's the best tasting bar I've ever had as far as a compact protein bar goes. And because you are a loyal listener of Lockdown, you're getting $10 off your first box of Built Bars. And again, the price is like $37, so it comes down to about $27. It's a great value, and I promise you, there's 18 in a box. You're going to order one box, and you're going to go to order another. You might as well just order a couple right out front because they are that good. They're not gritty. They're not dry. They're not hard as a rock. The flavor is there. They're covered in real chocolate. It's really like a candy bar with all the good stuff of those protein bars. I mean, really, if you compare it to one of the other bars out there, the Cliff Bar, it has half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, and seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. And I'll beat it over your head with a drum. It tastes delicious, people. So just go off of that. Try it. BuiltBar.com. Head to the website. You get $10 off when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget Mother's Day is coming up just around the corner. So start the competition today with the most important people that's in all of your lives, and that's your mom. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl. So celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day, especially with everything going on right now. Can't get outside. Allow your mom to be able to escape via this new amazing book that I'm about to tell you about. Allow her to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, laugh at all the perils of raising a teenager in the 1950s in India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. If you guys don't know about that, she's doing a book for every month. And this is the book she selected for May. So tons of moms around the country, around the world are going to be reading this book. Don't let your mom be the one that isn't. Then anytime in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or the book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author. The author is Alka Joshi. And you can tag her at the Alka Joshi. And that is the... A-L-K-A-J-O-S-H-I. With that donation, four meals per post will be going to Feed America. Up to 10,000 meals will be going out to Feeding America. Pretty awesome cause. So you guys and girls got to go buy The Henna Artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, Target. You name it, they are selling this book. It's amazing. And at the end of the day, you get to make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills joined by Bear of Locked On Rams. Bear, I appreciate you joining me today to preview this uh distant game but one that we'll get a chance to watch in 2020 the bills will take on the rams and want to ask you some questions here about this rams football team 
specifically about how things are going under Sean McVay. Obviously, 11 and 5, 13 and 3 in year two, the Super Bowl, but 9 and 7, and start starting to hear some rumblings about the league catching up with Sean McVay. You feel like that's overblown? Is there some legitimacy behind those uh, those notions? Yeah, I think it's definitely the first uh, pointing sign for a lot of people is kind of to go there. So I think it is overblown a little bit, but there is some merit to some of this. Obviously, you're looking at uh, the prime example of the Rams, even down that Super Bowl run, uh, that back half of that season, as some of the teams started picking up, really started with the Bears and even the Lions a week after that were pretty tough once they kind of you know switched up the defense. We saw it in the Super Bowl as they kind of you know really struggled to get points on the board. That was that. Uh, you know, offense that was highly touted, could do anything. Sean McVay, super clever, and we ruffle up three points. So I think we're still kind of working on that. And you can tell from the NFL, it's a copycat type of league. And I think you're seeing a lot of defenses start to figure out Sean McVay to say, hey, look, we know you can do this style of offense, but we're going to make you mix it up and try to earn it elsewhere. But I think also the roster last year, a lot of injuries, offensive line, Todd Gurley, question marks about, you know, the health of him, how much they were running the ball, didn't really – uh, show to the confidence of you know what they were really telling the media along the way. So I think it was a mix of a little bit of everything. That's the nice thing about this coming year. It's a little bit of fresh start. New offense coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Got some new guys coming in. Todd Gurley's out. No running backs to look at as far as uh, you know a snap count or restricted carries or workouts in the offseason. So uh, at this season, if things kind of still are going this direction, I think Sean's going to be a little bit under the microscope. Right now, I think uh, still, the distraction is elsewhere here in Rams Nation, even with the logo, I think people are upset about right now. So uh, kind of keeping their mind off it. But we'll see. This is a big year for, I think, for Sean McVay and even Jared Goff in 2020. You, you, you mentioned, like, this team has had a winning record in three years under under uh, Sean McVay. And they're obviously still, I mean, nine and seven, and we're pushing the panic button. It seems a little premature, but right. if I were to be concerned about this football team, it might come from the the roster construction and how this salary cap situation is uh, I mean obviously a lot of money going to Jared Goff a ton of money going to Aaron Donald there's going to be a lot of money going to Jalen Ramsey especially after giving up a couple of first round picks to acquire him what are your thoughts on how this team is being constructed and is it just kind of the philosophy of we're going to load up on some stars and try to sprinkle in things around him is that what you're gathering as well and do you think that can work yeah, you know what? It's definitely the direction it looks like they're heading. And if you look at a little bit in the future, you got Cooper Cup coming up. That's going to really demand if he continues to play that the way that he has when healthy. Uh, they gave a lot of money to Tyler Higby. Uh, and you're looking at on the defense side of the ball, as well as John Johnson coming back from injury, if he can remain healthy and get back to some of the elite level that he was kind of on the path of. There's more people down the line. So it is interesting kind of the way that they've put this together. And I'm hoping that along the line that they learned some lessons with this, uh, I don't know if Jared Goff is going to be the biggest lesson so far because we still have yet to see what he is going to be to able to fulfill in that contract. They tried to jump on it early. The quarterback is an interesting world, especially when you're number one overall pick. And you see Dak is involved with it right now. He wasn't even, you know, in, in the first round there. But it really gets tricky. I think you need to pay earlier than later in the game if that quarterback's going to excel. But I think the Rams really learned they could have held off on that. Todd Gurley, same thing. I hope that they learn from some of these. They wanted to reward him after having a great season, get ahead of it. They saw when Aaron Donald held out uh, during all that offseason, uh, even came into uh, into camp late, that that can kind of harm the team a little bit, even though Aaron Donald did fine that year and every year that he had an issue with his contract, but they didn't want to deal with that anymore. So uh, it is going to be interesting moving forward if they are continuing to kind of patch the holes. They do have some money coming off the books so they can decide to 
uh, figure this out a different way. But I think Les Snead's going to continue to be aggressive. You saw that with the trades going out. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, having to pay big money uh, at the cornerback position as well. So, uh, you know, when Ramsey resigns, but I think they're going to continue to be aggressive, but he just plays it his own way. And when it works, you get the Super Bowl. And when it doesn't, you're nine and seven and everyone thinks that someone's at fault. Well, so looking at this division, it's pretty fascinating to me. You've got the uh, NFC champions and the 49ers. You've got the Cardinals, who are very much an upstart team. And, of course, Russell Wilson in Seattle is always a tough football team. Where do you think the Rams kind of fall into this thing? And what are some of those expectations entering 2020? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy division. It's going to be a bunch of fun to watch. And, you know, you used to just put the Arizona Cardinals in the basement and built upwards. And now you're looking down there just like stay in the basement. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Getting better, adding talent, going out, making good trades. Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. And un unfortunately, they may not be uh, the worst team in the division this year. I mean, all likelihood is the way that it will fall out that way. But they could take a big jump. You never know. As you mentioned, Sean McVay coming years ago, kind of taking that team instantly and jumping them into that. Uh, you know, winning side of football. So you never know how long it can uh, turn around. But I think the Rams really, it's tough, man. Those top three in the division, San Francisco, you still got to give the nod coming off the Super Bowl run. You saw them do it on the ground. Jimmy G didn't have to do a ton getting them there in the last few games. You know that he can, or that maybe be an argument. Can he do it or not? But I think he's a very viable quarterback for them in that system. Uh, their defense is awesome. And then anytime Russell Wilson steps on the field, you feel like they have a chance to win any single game, no matter if they have a great offseason, which I don't think they had the greatest one. I don't know if they got stronger and stronger with the rest of the division. Uh, but again, if that guy's on the field, then you're going to do okay. So I think the Rams are right in the mix there. They've continued to keep some of those skill players you talked about paying heavy for, uh, but those are some of the best in the game. Jalen Ramsey, you could argue, is top five corner. You can argue Aaron Donald might be one of the best players in football. Uh, no, regardless what side of the ball it is. So they're going to have some talent. They're going to compete. I think they really fall in. That one, two, three, you almost could flip it up in a coin and, and it could fall either way. Uh, I really hope, looking back to last season, the Rams could have made the playoffs with where they were at with this extended playoff format that we now have with the new CBA. So uh, I'm looking at the NFC West to potentially uh, produce three playoff teams and Arizona pushing to maybe knock one of those other teams out. But I think the Rams are right in the mix. One, two, three. Those guys are really tough, really close right now. So there's going to be some new faces in L.A. kind of claiming bigger roles here as they've had some roster turnover. Who are some of the breakout candidates we should keep an eye on for in this coming year? You know, he was a rookie last year, but Taylor Rapp, I think, is going to continue to carve out a big role on that defense. Uh, they drafted uh, Terrell Burgess in the fourth round or excuse me, in the third round uh, to add some depth back there and also to kind of work him in probably into that nickel corner spot. Uh, but I'm expecting him to kind of take big steps because you saw year one, he came in and competed. And then somewhere off the edge, you know, is it going to be Leonard Floyd uh, kind of finally getting into a system, uh, reuniting with, you know, old linebackers coach from when he was in Chicago uh, with Brandon Staley? Does he kind of take that step into the next level? We saw Dante Fowler come over. A lot of people had him written off and really kind of flourished in the year and a half he had here in the system. So is Leonard Floyd that, Floyd that guy? Is Terrell Lewis that guy off the edge? Another uh, rookie that we got in this draft. So those are a couple guys on the defense side of the ball. And then really the big question mark is, you know, Cooper Cup, you know, Robert Woods, their production going to be steady and solid. But is it Van Jefferson out of the rookie category? And who comes out in that running back group? Uh, there's three guys there. Obviously, Malcolm Brown's been around forever. Daryl Henderson, who they moved up last year to get in the draft. And then Cam Akers was their first selection at 52. So uh, one of those two running backs, I think Henderson or Akers is going to be a jump out. Someone's got to get 
uh, a bulk of the carries or the yards or the production. It could be split kind of like the San Francisco 49ers. We said copycat league. Maybe we copycat uh, those 49ers and just run it down everyone's throat with three different guys and keep them guessing. But uh, those are just a couple of the guys that I'm excited about kind of in this 2020 season as kind of a breakout. When you think about 2020 and, and obviously an optimistic year for the Rams, what is the biggest concern that you have that could uh, prevent them from having the type of success, you know, I think Sean McVay and company are hoping for in 2020? I think it's a lot of the same from last year. It's consistency. Uh, you know, I, I remember Sean McVay talking about week 11, week 12, talking about we don't have an identity as an offense, which was just like the biggest alert system to me, at least going, how are you in week 12 and you don't have an understanding of who you are as a football team? And I think they've got to figure that out a lot quicker uh, than they did last year. Uh, and that comes on both sides of the ball. Offensively, can we stay healthy? Consistency on that offense line. They allow the least amount of sacks in the NFL, but you would never know of it by the as much as Jared Goff was running around and throwing some wild passes. So I think if we get that offense back to closer where it was in 2017, 2018, run the football, and then the defense, they were really, really awesome at times last year and then really, really bad at times. I mean, that game against the Ravens, and yes, Lamar Jackson's a little bit different, uh, but he torched them up. We saw... Tampa Bay early in the season dropped 55 on them. Uh, there was just some games that they just got gouged big time. So if they can be consistent on both sides of the ball, stay a little healthy on the offensive line, get back to running the football, this team can get right back into that mix that we talked about in the NFC West. Bear, the last thing I want to ask you is for your general perspective on the Buffalo Bills. I think, you know, whenever uh, we have crossover episodes, it's always very interesting for the opposing team's uh, host to speak to that fan base and, uh, give an idea, an impression of what you think about this football team. I know you cover the Rams and the, the Rams and Bills only play every four years, but uh, kind of that outsider's perspective on what you think is going on in Buffalo. Oh, man, I think they're getting good and they're getting good fast and they're doing it with some young talent. They've done it through the draft. And, uh, you know, that's what's most exciting about Josh Allen kind of coming up. You know, a lot of people, even when he was drafted, at least in the national eye, at least in my view, kind of was like, well, OK, we'll see how that pans out. Right. And kind of said it in this mocking fashion. And all of a sudden you realize this kid can play, put around a great defense with him. Now you start to draft and get some, you know, some uh, talent around him. The Stefan Diggs trade kind of really showed you that hey, they believe in what they have in the locker room already. They're getting aggressive to go start to get talent. You really want to see that team get a home playoff game because Bill's Mafia is just fun to watch anytime, let alone in the playoffs at home would be a bunch of fun. It's one of those teams. I remember back in the day when they were going back and forth with the Cowboys, I couldn't stand the Cowboys. So I became kind of this inner Bills fan just kind of saying they've got to break through they've got to break through Thurman Thomas and the boys they've got to get it done it never happened I think it would be amazing to see those guys make a big run I think they got a lot of talent kind of coming back and with Tom Brady out of there the big bad guy is out of the neighborhood it seems wide open right now it almost seems like the Bills to lose at this point with the division in, in uh, mind but uh, exciting things for them right now, especially that fan base that's gone through a lot of losing, get them back in uh, the playoffs where I think they belong and that fan base belongs. But with that said, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We got more with Joe Marino locked on bills as we flip the script and start to pick his brain on what they will bring. Are any of my predictions accurate? We'll find out next. So we are back. Joe Moreno locked on Bills. Uh, field a bunch of questions on the Rams there in that first segment. And I'm going to kind of flip the table here. I want to start with the draft. 
what are your thoughts on it? I know you just did a podcast last week in redrafting some of your ideas on the direction you would have liked them to go. Uh, but where do you think they really hit it? And where do you think they really missed it in this year's draft? Well, I think the the first pick that they had, A.J. Epinesa at uh, 54 overall, obviously traded their first round pick for Stefan Diggs. That was kind of the icing on the cake in terms of Brandon being the general manager, being uh, very intentional about getting the defensive line depth right. And uh, this Bills defense has been very good every year under Sean McDermott, top five the last two years. But I don't think they've had this type of talent up front on the defensive line. And it was like you, you go out and you get a Quentin Jefferson, you get a Vernon Butler, you took Ed Oliver in the top 10 last year, you bring in Mario Addison, and oh, by the way, here's one more piece, A.J. Epinesa, to go with Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy. So I feel like that was a, a really um, – like I said, the icing on the cake, the cherry on top in terms of solidifying that defensive line depth to really take this Bills defense to the next level. Obviously, getting Zach Moss in the third round was big. Uh, RB2 in the Bills offense is a big role. They'll touch the ball 150, 150 or so times. And Frank Gore manned that spot last year behind uh, rookie Devin Singletary. But Frank Gore, as the season went on, he just, you could tell the wheels were coming off a bit. And so to get an upgrade there at, at uh, running back in Zach Moss in the third round, I think was, it was a great pick. They got a couple of nice receivers where they needed depth in Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. But you know, Barry, you asked me where the bills missed the mark. It's probably the Jake Fromm pick uh, fifth round. I know it's, you don't want to poke too many holes in a fifth round pick, but anytime you draft a quarterback there, the questions start right. to come and what is his ceiling and what does it mean for Josh Allen? And I feel like Jake Fromm is just a very limited player, very limited arm strength, has no mobility. And you've already got Matt Barkley as your backup quarterback. <laughs> and I think Jake Fromm's ceiling is Matt Barkley. So uh, you like what Matt Barkley is in terms of what he means to Josh Allen, that relationship, game planning, what he is on the sideline during games. The Bills have never really rostered three quarterbacks under Sean McDermott. So I think short of the Bills keeping three quarterbacks on the roster, I'm not sure Fromm makes this team. And so if I have to poke holes in any pick, you know, I'll, t I'll toss a few holes in that fifth rounder and Jake Fromm. Well, man, looking at your first two picks was something that I really were kind of expecting or were hoping for the Rams. I mean, you guys picked uh, at number 54. Uh, Epinesa is a great pick there. You talked about the D-line, man. That is awesome what you guys got. Zach Moss, I think I mocked about 150 times out of 155 times to the Los Angeles Rams in the third round at some point. Didn't see them going right out of the gate, so I love that pick. But my question for him, really, and you talked about the big role that that secondary running back has, but it's a little crowded. TJ Yeldon's still around, uh, and you mentioned Gore. I'm not sure if he's sticking around. Is there going to be the carries for him to have impact right away, kind of like Singletary you mentioned, kind of carved out a role? Yeah, I think so. And Devin Singletary became the Bills' lead back by about midseason. He had a hamstring deal kind of early in his rookie year, but then he really took off. I mean, averaging over five yards a carry, showing some really dynamic cuts and ability uh, to create offense. And, and it was exciting to see that uh, type of a back uh, with Josh Allen. And, and so, you know, Frank Gore, I don't think he's going to be back in the mix. Uh, he's a free agent. If the Bills want to bring him back, they can. But I think we learned that Frank Gore is pretty much done at this point. And uh, you mentioned TJ Yeldon. They signed him to a two-year deal last year, but he was largely inactive last year. Kind of going into the draft, you thought he was RB2, but the pick of Zach Moss in the third round uh, really gives the Bills the downhill back they're looking for to complement Singletary. Uh, you know, a banger between the tackles, good in pass protection, and he can catch the football. So I think he has the 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 clear path to that RB2 role. And, you know, Sean McDermott likes to get two backs involved, uh, kind of a 60-40 type deal. Uh, and I think you'll see that that type of distribution between Singletary and Moss. And it's interesting you mentioned, I mocked Cam Akers to the Bills 
over and over <laughs> again at 54. So it seems like we kind of got those predictions backwards. Yeah, that's the fun thing about these mock drafts is uh, you get stuck on a couple players and you always seem to be wrong and, and you just have to eat it. And uh, both teams seem to be pretty happy with their draft right now. So it's kind of on to the next step. I mentioned earlier that, you know, my impression of the Bills was – uh, this was their division to lose. Do you see it the same way, or how do you see this division shaking out and where they fit in? You know, I do think it is the Bills to lose. They're coming off a 10-win season, uh, you know, so much coming back. I think that's really where my optimism for Buffalo comes. You've got pretty much everything coming back on defense, plus more depth on the defensive line. You've got everything coming back on offense, plus Stefan Diggs in, a, in an upgrade at, at, at RB2 and Zach Moss. I mean, literally, just so much returning from this football team that achieved a lot last year. And I think in an offseason like this, where it's going to be reduced at a minimum, that continuity is going to matter a ton. And so that's why I kind of look at the Miami Dolphins and they added a ton in free agency. They had a ton of draft picks, three first rounders. They're an improving football team, but piecing all that together under these circumstances is going to be challenging. I think they're a year away from making any noise in the division. The Jets finished six and two uh, down the stretch, obviously a weird year with Sam Darnold and the mono situation early on. And they added some nice pieces in the draft and they, they invested heavily in that offensive line. But I think Adam Gase is your head coach is definitely a wild card. Something that, you know, if you want to get excited about the Jets, you easily get not excited because you think about Adam Gase as the head coach. And then, you know, the Patriots, like, let's face it, they don't have a great quarterback situation going on. They have Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. That's the most concerning quarterback room in football in my mind. And obviously they want to be a running football team. They want to play great defense and they played great defense last year, but a ton of turnover in that front seven. And so, you know, I know it's Belichick and the greatness of him and the coaching staff and all of that, but I just don't know that they have enough difference makers on that roster and they're very concerning at quarterback for us to expect them to repeat as division champions. I feel like the Bills have a pretty clear path to claim in this division. Now, they got to go out and do it. Josh Allen can, has to continue to take strides, but all the ingredients are in place for the Bills to be the AFC champs in 2020. Yeah, you, I mean, you named all the the talent that is around them, especially Stefan Diggs coming in. Is there any worry for you that if Stefan Diggs can't get involved early, uh, that we'll see kind of a repeat of what happened in Minnesota? Or do you guys see you know him just kind of flourishing in this system, and that's not really an issue that will ever really come up? You know, it's interesting. I think there's some, not to the same degree, because obviously Stefan Diggs has a big personality, but, you know, a lot of questions about John Brown and Cole Beasley coming into this offense and what they would be able to do. Well, John Brown went out and had the best year of his career, and, and Cole Beasley, I think, pretty doggone close to the best year of his career. Definitely a top two season. And so, you know, I look at those two case studies and say, well, yeah, the Bills can acclimate Stefan Diggs just fine. A, a guy that I think really fills the void of a number one receiver that was missing in this offense last year, a guy that's good in contested situations, can create after the catch, can get vertical and give Josh Allen a do-everything focal point of the passing game. And so, you know, I think there's enough chemistry with what already exists that Josh Allen can, can really emphasize getting on the same page with Diggs, and I don't think they'll have any – any hard time getting him involved. We know the Bills want to run a lot of 11 personnel. That's going to put three receivers on the field. And um, I think Diggs will be plenty happy. I think that change of scenery is going to do him well. And I think the culture and, and locker room that Sean McDermott's built since 2017 is really ripe to add a player like Diggs. Well, man, you are getting me jacked up over here about football. I can't wait for it to come back. I got one last question. You said it in the last segment. I thought it was great. I want to pitch it back to you. Your thoughts just on where the Rams are at right now as you've seen everything post-draft, post-free agency, kind of rebuilding here with McVay with some new coaches. 
Where do you see them in 2020? And we meet in this season. Is that something you'd like to see early, later? How do you how do you see that playing out when the schedule comes out? I want to play with the Rams early, and uh, they've got to you know they're they're down Brandon Cooks. I want to see them kind of piece this offensive line together, different running back situation. So for me, I want to see this Rams team early in the year before they get a chance to really kind of hit their stride, because I do think it's going to take some time. You know, I, I think you do lose cooks. You're trying to incorporate different groups of receivers, maybe a rookie like Van Jefferson claiming a big role. Uh, the offensive line still trying to fit it together, right? I mean, uh, they, they they had the exodus that a couple of years ago with uh, their center and, and Roger Saffold leaving and, it just felt felt like they were relying on like Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen to claim roles, and so I think that still needs some time to gel. So, you know, obviously new running back room with Todd Gurley not in the mix. Um, how is the pass rush going to come together? Do they have enough in that secondary outside of Ramsey and Rap? You know, John Johnson coming back, Troy Hill is he really your ideal CB two? Uh, what's the linebacker situation going to look like without Corey Littleton? So I think there's enough answers on this football team. But in terms of when I want to play him, I want to play him early before those answers start to come together because I do get nervous about a team that I think, while they have a lot of uh, returning pieces, they have the same head coach, like you mentioned, new coordinators, a lot of new pieces. Uh, that's a team that's going to be playing their best football later in the year. Yeah, you're right. And it's funny because I'd rather probably play earlier too because I don't know about making a trip out to uh, New York late in the season, depending on how this season even gets started, when that would even be and how that would play out. So maybe earlier, a little bit warmer weather when we come out on the road uh, to Buffalo. But you're right, a lot of pieces for the Rams really to come together still. And this is not the ideal situation when you don't have an offseason to really come together. You got a lot of new pieces. How will they come together early in the season is a big question mark. So a uh, great answer there. And really looking forward to having a conversation with you again when we get to that point. When the schedule comes out, we know when we're going to play and then where we are at. So appreciate your time, Joe. Really looking forward to it and can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, Bear. All right, so tomorrow we've got Locked On Patriots as we continue our AFC East crossover series. Excited to kind of talk about life after Brady and what's going to happen in that division for them. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace.